welcome to the MTM Vegas podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by MTM's managing editor, Mark Osterman. And we have a great show for you this week. As a reminder, you can watch this show, including all the visuals that go along with it at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. On this week's show, we're going to talk about a new Chase Lounge coming to the Las Vegas airport, some huge changes that are proposed for Fremont Street performers because of fraud. We'll discuss it. Plus, Formula One has driven record interest for hotels for the weekend of the race. Mermaid School is coming to one Vegas casino. We talk about the best pizza in downtown Las Vegas, plus the best food that people on Twitter chose from their Vegas trips, and a very scary escape room coming to Vegas as well. All of that coming up right now. As a reminder, if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Just search MTM Vegas or head to mtmvegas.com for all of our Vegas posts, videos, and podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Let's hit it. So, Mark, did you see the new messaging for Fountain Blue Las Vegas? Miracles still happen. So they're they're, what? they're acknowledging the that this is a miracle, <laughs> that they're actually going to build this thing and open it. That it's uh, it's still ugly and hideous, and so there. I mean, uh, it's still shocking to me that you had this building so close to finish that they had furniture ordered and they had to sell it, pawn it off, and you've had all these people switch hands. Nobody's been able to get it done. So I wouldn't call it a miracle. I call it just like an eyesore. But I guess it's a good joke. Well, I mean, uh, what's what's so funny about that? You talk about how far along it was. Is the people that are finishing it now are the same people who lost it in bankruptcy uh, all those years ago? So. Maybe it's a miracle for them. They finally get to see their dream brought to life. Yeah, they just paid, they paid like triple for it. <laughs> well, it's funny, yeah, because uh, what what was it? Uh, Carl Icahn bought it for 150 million out of bankruptcy, flipped it for 600 million a few years later, and then you know it sold for what over a billion dollars uh, last year. So yeah, it's significantly more expensive. Yeah, think you know we've heard of all these sales the last couple of years, and 150 million is like insanely cheap for. One, just for like the land where it's at. And then two, for a building that's mostly finished, it's kind of insane. And he just sat on it for 10 years, didn't do anything and, and turn that kind of profit. I guess that's why he's a billionaire, you know, smart guy. It takes money to make money, right? Yeah. All right. So let's get into the show and talk about Fremont Street because this story kind of took me by surprise uh, for a few reasons. But the city is considering these changes to the Fremont Street street performers so to start, like a few years ago, things got way rowdy on Fremont Street. There were so-called performers everywhere. So the city installed these little circles in the ground. You may have seen them uh, where people have yeah. to like go into a lottery in order to get a two-hour window to perform perform in their, uh, in Put their circle. Put tassels on your boobs. That's what, that's what perform <laughs> means. No, I mean, there's some amazing, I don't want to make light of it. There are some amazing performers down there. There's some uh, not-so-amazing performers down there, too. But apparently... Uh, yeah, people are committing fraud. They're creating multiple accounts to get multiple slots. They're selling and bartering different circle times, things like that. Is this a huge surprise? I mean, they had to create this system because people were kind of acting shady, kind of beating up. There was fights. There was all kinds of stuff going on there. And uh, now people are cheating the system. Not a big shocker there. No, and I, you know, I used to love Fremont. Like It was my favorite place in Vegas back in 2010, 2011, like early on. Um, before it became super popular because it was always kind of kind of dead, but it had a cool vibe and kind of like in the know would go down there. But most people still thought it was sketchy. And then it blew up to where it was like more busier than the strip and just chaos. Like, you know, we've been there a couple of times together where you couldn't even walk through and there's people trying to perform and spank other people and 
all kinds of crazy things. So oh, I do man. like the spanking, they- man. The sp- did you? Did, <laughs> I mean, we're gonna talk about the the spanking. I think I sent you a video when I was down there recently. I saw this lady spanking somebody, and I, I mean, he was in so much pain, and he seemed like he was enjoying it. But this was far beyond like entertainment. You know, we had a friend get spanked, you know, a couple years ago, and it was like a light thing, and it was more for photo ops. This was like flogging. And the guy enjoyed it, and, and there was like a crowd of probably 50 people watching it. It was uh, quite the adult show, I guess, right in the middle of Fremont Street. I don't know. I saw, I saw one with like a, a woman in a dress get spanked, and she got spanked so hard she fell over. And then like you could see like her underwear, and it was just, it, it's crazy. But I do like having the circles there because it did seem less chaotic the last time I walked through. And, you know, they have like their little spots, but it is kind of uh, crazy that they were allowing people to bid on this stuff without showing any identification or or any way to prove that they were who they said they were. And no surprise that they're selling spots. And then I'm sure they're like trying to swap spot like, hey, you have a better spot. I'll give you mine and give me a hundred bucks or whatever. Like it's just it's kind of a shady thing. They should just make people pay for it like you would for being a vendor in a mall. Hey, you want the square? You have to pay so much for the two hours or whatever and just rent them out. Yeah, so part of the changes that are proposed is that you actually have to show ID in order to get a slot, which I don't uh. understand how that was <laughs> before. <laughs> and then you need liability insurance uh, if you have like a acrobatic performance or some sort of, uh, I don't know, physical performance. So that, I think that makes good sense. And then they said if you skirt the, the law, there'll be a, it'll be a misdemeanor crime, or at least that's what's proposed. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully this... Maybe it, it, it opens up the door for more people to perform and better variety. You get, uh, you'll get more uh, spankers or something. I don't know. But it is getting rowdy down there, no doubt. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a thing. I wouldn't bring kids down there at night. No, no, I wouldn't either. All right. Now, we love when our worlds of uh, travel hacking in Vegas combine. And that's what happened this week with this leaked information that Chase is going to build a new airport lounge, a Sapphire Lounge in McCarran or Harry Reid International Airport. It's going to be in the Seagates, which is where Southwest flies out of, 4,500 square feet. We don't know much else about it, but it's kind of cool to uh, to see another lounge coming to Vegas. Yeah, I'm one of the few people that's not huge into lounges. I like to just get to the airport and get on my flight. You know, if it's a delay, it comes in useful, or if you're connecting somewhere that has a lounge and you have a layover, for sure. But I know a lot of people just uh, like our buddy Tim just loves to go to the airport like hours early and hang out in the lounge and stuff. So I'm sure a lot of people will be excited about this, especially, you know, Centurion Lounge in Vegas has been there forever. It's always overpacked and and kind of crammed. So maybe this will take some of the stress off of that and make both a little bit better and easier to maneuver. So I'll definitely check it out at some point. But uh, I know a lot of people will probably be really excited for it. Yeah, a lot of people have their lounge access through Priority Pass. So there's two of those. There's the club. Uh, in the E gates, and there's the club in the D gates, and those will be with priority pass. You have a United Club for United Club members or people flying United Business Class. That's in the D gates. The Centurion Lounge was the first of all the American Express lounges in the United States. That closed during COVID, and they expanded it and renovated it. It's really nice, but as you say, it does get very crowded. But this will be in the C gates. So this is actually, in addition to having all those other lounges, this is in a different area of the airport. So it's really good for people who like to fly southwest because uh, and the sea gates it's more convenient. Below. 
<laughs> well, they did recently. They did redo no, them. No, they blow. So you need that lounge because <laughs> nobody wants to hang out in that in the Seagate. No, they. I will say they renovated all the Seagates during COVID. Although there's not a whole lot you can do there. I mean, it's still very space constrained. It's an older terminal, but all the flooring is new. They got that shiny new flooring in there. Uh, some new shops. So it's as nice as it's been. But of course, you know, uh, there, yeah, it, there's only really so tight. much they can do there. Really, yeah. Really and this tight, this lounge is only going to be 4,500 square feet. So who knows? What it is, but for people who are Chase Sapphire, you know, reserve card holders, uh, you know, th their lounges do look pretty nice. So it'll be it'll be nice to get there. We'll uh, keep you guys updated on that. And real quick before we uh, talk about other stuff, we love when this stuff combines, and we wanted to talk about this cashback app that we're working with, Clues, because you know they have uh, ways to to save money on what Hotels.com, different airlines, things like that. Yeah, so it's a it's basically like a gift card app where you buy a, a third party gift card to like American Airlines, Delta Airlines, Hotels.com, all these different options. Uber, when you're in Vegas, if you if you use Uber a lot, and you buy the gift card on uh, the app, and it automatically like immediately prints out a gift card that you can use. And the cool thing is you can do it for a, an exact amount. You still earn your credit card points that you would normally earn for like a restaurant spend if you earn three times on dining. This codes when you buy that gift card as dining or codes as travel if you're buying Uber gift card. And then you also get a percentage back and that goes into your like little cash bank. So you can kind of use this throughout the year to save up for a Vegas trip or a trip anywhere and just a little fun money, you know, for stuff that you're buying anyway. So definitely check it out. We have a full write up. We'll put in the uh, show notes. If you do sign up, we get a, uh, a small referral commission. So thank you for the support if you want to support us in that way. Yeah, full write up in the description. We both use the app. We like it. We know it applies to Vegas. Always trying to help you guys learn how to save money. Uh, so, so check that out if you're interested. All right. So when Las Vegas said that right after the Formula One race was announced uh, coming for 2023, uh, we do know some tentative dates. Uh, we've talked about them before, but there is no official confirmed date yet. Uh, but anyway, right when it was announced, they got more phone calls, more interest in booking than in any single day ever in the history That's of when in Encore Las Vegas, uh, even though crazy. they can't, nobody can book the rooms until about 12 months out, but there is going to be a lot of people interested in coming for that race. Would you even have like a good, I could understand like Cosmo, like the, uh, the balcony suites or something, people calling for that. Cause you overlook the strip and the race. Like when Encore, I don't feel like you'd have, do you have, would you have great views from there? You think of the strip and the race that people would want it? Yeah. I mean, I think so. Plus it's just the, you know, it is the kind of luxury hotel in town, right? The yeah. sort of old true. school like if you European got luxury. Coming from overseas and stuff, they're going to want to stay at the nicer resort and everything. Um, yeah, it just seems crazy. Like of all the events that this would bring in the most phone calls ever. Interesting. I wouldn't have expected that at all by any by any means. Yeah, I think just a lot of Americans were not as exposed to how popular it is. But I mean, there's, you know, 500 million fans, it says worldwide. That's what it said in the article. But uh, yeah, it's very popular, and uh, I'm I'm looking Just forward wait, to it. Wait until Vegas gets a premier soccer game in uh, inside the Raiders Stadium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean the Legion Stadium that'd be crazy. Then there'd be like bananas everywhere. It'd be yeah. BTS times three. Well, we, we hopefully that'll happen. But yeah, for the Formula One race, I think also a big draw is that you know is that course. It's really uh, iconic course going up the Strip. They did a great job on designing it. It seems like there's some tricky elements to it. Some really kind of hard turns plus you know you get that nice bit of going down the strip and i'm sure uh, i can't wait i can't wait to see how it all how it all looks it's going to be a pain it's going to be a mess but it's going to be fun no, no thanks no thanks 
<laughs> I couldn't even. Be- you better come like two days early and stay two days after just to avoid the mess and not plan on leaving the strip at all. That that'd be the only way I'd do it. Like I wouldn't try to come in like day of the race or anything like or day before. I think you definitely need to make this a longer trip if you're interested in checking it out. And I think it will be like a cool spectacle, something uh, you know that will be once in a lifetime and, and enjoyable. It's just the headache of getting in and out will be amazing. I think. Good reminder, as soon as they uh, announce the dates, make sure to check your favorite hotel, see if you can book, or find out when their booking window is, if it's 12 months out, whatever it is, and book as soon as you can on that first day that it becomes available because uh, those prices are going to be crazy and maybe you'll get a shot at, you know, the cheaper prices will probably be uh, far out, so stay on top of that. All right, now we've talked about the the mermaid uh, or the, the fish tank at the Silverton, the aquarium. That's the word I was trying to think of. Uh, there you with go. The mermaids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so this, this summer, they're doing something incredible. They're going to do a mermaid school for kids that are 7 to 11 years old where they actually get to swim in the aquarium. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to, to be there during the dates, uh, if I can get Ellie to do that, but she's the, the perfect age for it, 7. I think she would love it. But yeah, it's going to be a, a mermaid warm-up class, a swim session inside the aquarium with a mermaid tail, a behind-the-scenes tour of the aquarium and the sea life, a certificate of completion, and uh, as they call it, uh, an experience of a lifetime. Um, yeah, it's going to be June 4th to 5th, 11th to 12th, 18th to 19th, and 25th through 26th, $125 a child. It seems like a lot of money, but it's getting to swim inside the aquarium as a mermaid, Once I think that might be worth it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I don't know if my daughter would do it because I think she'd be afraid of all the fish around everywhere. Um, but I definitely would try to make her <laughs> do it. I do want it like swimming with a tail. I feel like that would be a bit difficult for even like an adult and having little children. I hope they have like a little life jacket on or something so they can float a bit. I don't know. It just seems like a struggle uh, for sure. But I think it's amazing. Hopefully you can get uh, Ellie if you're in town to do it. I think it would be kind of a unique once in a lifetime type experience. Yeah, I might have to try to like plan around that getting in there. I mean, the the mermaids do use like air, uh, you know, regulators. So I wonder if that's what they're going to teach the kids how to use them when they're underwater. Whatever it is, it would be uh, like you said, something that they'll remember. Something so unique. You know, it's uh, it's all about the experience there. So we thought we'd cover that. All right, so let's talk pizza because we have. Uh, yeah, we've we've talked about Evil Pie a lot, Mark, on the show, and how good we how good it is, and how we like it. And uh, so, yeah, so we went we went we're downtown a few weeks ago, and we were like, all right, Pop Up Pizza won uh, that award we talked about it on the show a few weeks ago. The award on Tuesdays from four seven uh, four thirty seven p.m. to four forty p.m. Yeah, in the, in the <laughs> in category the of, in the month of August, only the first Tuesday that award. I think it was for non traditional pizza in the Southwest <laughs> region. I think that's what it was, but. Uh, so they won, and so we're like, all right, let's compare uh, them to Evil Pie. And so we'll go stop at Plaza and eat there, and then we'll go directly to Evil Pie and eat a slice there. And, yeah, the results were kind of shocking. Uh, well, first off, let's start off. How, what did you think of the pizza at Plaza? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because both were, like, reheated pizza where, you know, kind of like a Sabaro at the mall back in the day when malls used to be popular. Um they, they cook it and then they just reheat it and stuff. So that's not like the most authentic taste to it. But I will say uh, pop-up, I like the flavor. It had a little bit of spice to it. It is like a cornmeal crust, which isn't isn't my favorite normally. Um, but I thought it was good. It was crispy, good crust, good sauce. 
Uh, they used the little rustic pepperonis, which added a little kick to it. So I thought overall it was it was pretty solid. Um, the price wasn't wasn't terrible. Now the uh, the garlic knots looked like basically like <laughs> Pillsbury grand muffins that they just sprayed some butter and garlic salt on. Like it looked unlike any garlic knot I've ever seen. More like a muffin um, or a biscuit. But uh, the pizza was actually uh, pretty solid. And I think you gave it a seven out of ten, if I remember right. Yeah, right in that that range. Yeah, and I was right at there. I was like a six and a half, seven. I I liked it. The pepperoni I liked a lot. So at Evil Pie, we go down there. We got they have that special a slice, a cheese slice, and a beer for six bucks. So uh, something like that. Yeah, five or six bucks. Yeah. So we did that, and uh, we were now we were also with a, a friend of ours who's Italian. So this doesn't help at all because this is Marcus <laughs> talked up Evil Pie so much about oh this is good pizza. Mr. Italian, and then we we go eat it, and to me it tasted it like, awful. yeah, it, it tasted awful. it tasted like the the pizza that my school used to serve uh, in elementary school. It was bad. I don't know what I happened don't know. to it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been there uh, three times, and everybody the group we've gone with has always been like, "Oh, this is really good." And I mean, to be fair, I think we've always ordered like a fresh pepperoni pizza, and this was like a cheese. And I, maybe I did the cheese deal once before too, but. I feel like this was like made the day before and they just saved it and then reheated it and baked it so much that like the cheese wasn't like stringy in any way. The sauce was almost evaporated. It had like no flavor. It was really, really awful. Like this, the, our Italian friend didn't even finish his slice. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> was. Is, I've never not finished pizza. So I give it like a two, which normally I would put evil pie at like a seven and a half um, on the scale. Like it had a lot of good flavor and stuff. So I don't know what happened on this this uh, trip, but it was really bad. The beer was still good, though. Yeah, beer was good. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The cheese was just like a clump of cheese. It was all stuck together. It had been, yeah, it wasn't good. So I guess if you go to Evil Pie, make sure you order a fresh uh, pie or, or, or get that because, I mean, we were just shocked. So we wanted to update everybody on that, which leads us to the next thing. Uh, the Las Vegas official Twitter account asked people what's the favorite thing that they ate in Las Vegas. And I loved all the responses because... There was just a wide range of things from like fine dining to like nachos and stuff like that. Um, you know, we talk about like John Curtis, who's a big food reviewer here. He's so pretentious and, you know, only likes the fi- the finest food and looks down on people who doesn't, you know, who like normal food, I guess. Uh, but uh, He looks anyway, down on me. He cuts right through. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I thought it was so good because there was, you know, there was stuff like, you know, like the stuff that I wouldn't agree with, like Hell's Kitchen and some of the more corporate uh, restaurants, but then there was, you know, some really cool, uh, things. Uh, what, what were some of your favorites that you saw people share? Yeah. Funny. Uh, one of them was Andiamo, which is a Detroit, uh, chain restaurant. They have like 10 of them here, family owned, and they opened it up at the D, you know, cause the, the D is for Detroit. Uh, so I th- thought that was interesting. I've always wanted to check it out here. Never have uh, the meal looked fantastic. They said it was pretty good. That was one of their favorites. Um, another one was, what is it called? Good pie. Is that is that the name of the pizza place? And they have yeah. a uh, a Detroit style that somebody shared, and we've been talking about checking that out at some point. It looked pretty close to to legit Detroit style, so I definitely want to try that out sometime. The pizza looked pretty good, and everybody's always uh, raved about it. So I have to see if it's another overhyped pizza rock or if it's uh, legit good. Yeah, for me, there were, I, I like the comfort food of the list, you know, because you're going to get the, the normal recommendations, the Golden Steers, the Circus Circus Steakhouses, you know, all these famous really? restaurants. Really? Circus Circus? That's a thing? <laughs> the Circus Circus Steakhouse is very famous, yeah. It's like in the I same know. ilk it's as just, the... 
it's just it feels wrong it feels wrong in so many ways but one I hadn't known was the uh, the nachos at uh, Gillies uh, outside of Treasure Island, that little restaurant out there. Um, that looked they looked very very good. Um, I loved one guy shared buffalo wings as his like favorite food, and they just looked like normal buffalo wings. <laughs> yeah, um, and, you know, Hash House of Go Go was on there. We're gonna leave a link yeah, in the description. House, Hash House is uh, definitely like one of my favorite breakfast places. Pepper Mills, for sure. Um, Ellis Island is my wife's go-to for their steak deal, um, which I don't. I don't know if I saw that on there. I'm sure. Yeah, somebody shared the uh, brisket Benedict uh, from from Ellis Island. Oh, okay. Yeah, they have good breakfast stuff too. What's really cool about this thread is people who shared pictures, so you're really going to get a great idea of all different ranges of food and things to check out on your next trip. So that's why I wanted to cover it. We'll leave a link in the description, and you can go wild uh, looking at all the pictures and salivating over all the cool eats in Las Vegas and how much it'll cost you because that's the one thing, right? None of it's going to be cheap. Except Ellis Island. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> you lined it up. I knocked it down. All right. All right. Let's talk about escape rooms. So do you like it? Like when I was growing up, the original, you know, Stephen King's It, uh, that was on, it was a TV movie. It had John Ritter in it. And I was like obsessed with that movie when I was a kid, uh, as scary as it was. And it was a very scary movie. The new one is not as scary. It feels like they toned it down a little bit. But anyway, there's going to be a new 30,000 square foot escape room opening in Las Vegas themed to it. And there's going to be different rooms with different scenes from the movie. It's themed, I think, around the new version of the movie. But yeah, I think that if I was going to go to an escape room, uh, this would be uh, this would be it. Yeah, I've actually never done an escape room. It's something I've always wanted to check out. And, you know, horror movie fans or Stephen King fans will probably want to check this out for sure. If they do it right, I think it'll be really cool. It's just a question of, you know, do they have the money to to really like go over the top with it? Or is it going to be like a cheap uh, cardboard cardboard cutout knockoff type of looking uh, scenario? But I think it's definitely worth checking out something we'll have to keep an eye on. And maybe, uh, you know, some maybe it won't be as trippy as uh, Meow Wolf was, but it, it could be kind of cool. Yeah, it says 20 interactive rooms, so that's pretty uh, crazy. State of the artifacts. They'll have live actors as well, and then all oh the boy. different stuff you have to solve uh, along clowns. the way. If you're afraid of clowns, don't go. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's a. I would say that's good advice. If you're afraid of clowns, uh, don't go. And you know, you you mentioned Meow Wolf, so I'm going to be on a cruise the next couple of weeks. I'm cruising from Tampa, Florida, to Barcelona, Spain, and so my internet's going to be a little bit shaky. So. We're going to be doing a couple of special episodes, same format, same kind of show, but we're going to be doing one talking about Area 15 and the uh, Neon Boneyard, and then another talking about our recent stays at Bellagio and the Horseshoe. And I and can't Nomad. wait to, I can't wait to, yes, and Nomad. So I can't wait to talk about Meow Wolf because I was a little bit disappointed. There's a, there, there's a little, there's a little uh, teaser for everybody, um, but uh, we will be talking about all that on a future show. And that's going to do it for us uh, this week, Mark. Uh, like I said, we're going to have some special shows coming up the next couple of weeks. If there's any breaking news, we'll get a show out for that as well. But uh, I'm going to say bon voyage to myself. And uh, who knows, if I survive going two weeks over the ocean, it'll be fun. Yeah, safe travels. Uh, a lot of a lot of days on the water. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. Uh, I definitely wouldn't do it myself. So more power to you. I uh, hope you have a good trip. Yep, and I'm doing a free cruise, if people are wondering, as part of the Carnival Casino Match offer, which we have a video for. I'll also talk about the casino on the ship when I come back, so I uh, look forward to that. Thanks so much for uh, watching. Don't forget to smash the thumbs up, leave a comment, let's discuss all this, subscribe to the channel. 
talk to you later.